This just in, you were looking at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. Chad, just, uh, if you don't know, just say you don't know. Can you recall a situation where every airport in the country had been shut down? Absolutely not, except in wartime. Aaron, and obviously this is uh, not that. And all of a sudden, it smashed right dead into the center of the World Trade Center. Uh, Today we've had a national tragedy. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country. Fernando, Americans old enough to remember September 11th, 2001, know some of the things that happened in its aftermath. The American-led invasion of Iraq, capturing Saddam Hussein. The formation of the Department of Homeland Security and TSA. And the tracking down of the terrorist Osama bin Laden. But few Americans know something else the Department of Defense did to help protect the country. DOD concluded that the United States was vulnerable because of all the unfilled jobs within American intelligence agencies. They couldn't find enough qualified candidates who spoke Arabic. As well as other languages not commonly taught in American schools, but spoken by millions of people elsewhere in the world, including by potential terrorists. So for people who don't know anything about StarTalk, what is it? StarTalk is a summer program for students and teachers in critical languages trying to build capacity in the United States for those less commonly taught languages. For example? For example, Russian, Chinese, Arabic, Hindi, Korean, Portuguese, areas where we see a need around the world. And it's funded by? the Department of Defense and was started by the National Security Agency. That was Rito Oleksak, who runs two StarTalk programs, which happened to be in Glastonbury, Connecticut. Which you visited last summer on your reporting tour of the greatest summer language immersion programs in America. That's right, but unlike Middlebury language schools, the Rassius program at Dartmouth, and Concordia language villages, our last three episodes, StarTalk summer programs are free to students and teachers, paid for by the Department of Defense. The expenses minuscule compared with the costs of weapons. But the bilinguals who come out of StarTalk might be vitally important for the country. And thus is the subject of this episode, StarTalk for the National Defense. I'm Steve Levine. I'm Fernando Hernandez. And you're listening to America the Bilingual. Ten thousand jobs. That's the number of jobs currently unfilled within American intelligence agencies because they can't find bilinguals with working proficiency in critically needed languages. Expressed another way, only about half of the jobs that require professional level competence in critical need languages are filled. 
languages such as Arabic, Dari, Persian, Swahili, and Urdu, and Chinese, Hindi, Korean, Russian, and Turkish. We're getting our data from a 2018 report by the National Foreign Language Center at the University of Maryland. The full references on our website. So, StoreTalk is one of the Defense Department's key initiative to address those shortages. And according to the study, we're making progress. Since 2007, when StarTalk began, over 56,000 students and 12,000 teachers have gone through specialized summer training. Those 12,000 teachers have returned to their classrooms and reached an estimated half million American students. Programs have been held in all 50 states. Including in Connecticut, where you visited with Rita Oleksak. Yes, and while at Glastonbury High School listening to Rita, I learned why it was selected as a StarTalk site. I have been overseeing the StarTalk program for 12 years and uh, 14 years in the district as the district supervisor in charge of foreign language and English language learning. We have a staff of 47 foreign language teachers in a district of a population of 6,000, so that's a pretty big foreign language program. Rita is humble, but she's a heavy hitter, having been the president of the 12,000-member Association of American Language Teachers, or ACTFL. And in that role, she testified before the Senate about America's lack of readiness in world language skills. So, of course, I tried to put her on the spot. People my age, when I mention foreign language study, they often get sort of a grimace on their face and say something like, well, I took four years of French and can't utter a sentence. You're nodding. Absolutely. Absolutely. I am a French and Spanish teacher, and now I see myself as a teacher of teachers. And I, I guess it's kind of been my mission to try to dispel that rumor. That rumor that language classes are ineffective, we addressed and dispelled in episode 31, Not Your Uncle's Language Class. That's right, and Rita addressed another topic we covered previously, the seal of biliteracy. So do you have some students coming out of uh, Glastonbury High that can actually speak another language? Absolutely. Last year, Connecticut was state number 28 to approve the seal of biliteracy. Is the seal of biliteracy important? Oh, it's very important because it is a notation, a mark, a distinction for the students that say, hey, I know what I'm doing and I am working towards being fully proficient, college and career ready. Rita introduced me to her colleague who took me around Glastonbury High, now converted into something else. We are located here, and on the second floor, we really have transformed our second floor of, into sort of uh, our Chinese headquarters, if you will, for the summer. So we have one wing of our high school here is dedicated to our, our secondary programs, our middle and high school students, and we have a second wing that is dedicated to our elementary students. I'm Jimmy Wildman, and I am a Spanish teacher here at Glastonbury High School during the regular year. And then during the summer, I run the Star Talk programs. I noticed a mixture of ages of kids working together. Only a few appeared to be ethnic Chinese. Sure, this is a class of Chinese too, and at the moment they are actually here with a class for our Chinese 4 class. Uh, so that Chinese 4 student is taking the lead and, and working with them and, and helping them to develop their language skills. Just looking around, the, the teachers look like they could be ethnic Chinese, but most of the students are not. 
That's correct. Most of our, our teaching staff are heritage speakers of the language, but our students really come from all variety of backgrounds. Probably our largest group are, are non-native speakers of the language. They are really here to, to learn for the first time. Steve, how many weeks is the program and how many hours per day? Unlike sleepaway total immersion camps like Concordia or Middlebury, StarTalk programs are day camps. Here's Jimmy. So it is a four-week program. Our secondary students are here from nine until three each day. I pointed out that it was a beautiful sunny day outside while these students are in summer school for six hours. Our students are really here because they love language, they love the culture, they really have embraced the opportunity that they have to, to learn language. So even though it is a beautiful summer day outside, um, <laughs> they, they are very happy to be here. And what they have done over the last three and a half weeks as we approach our last couple of days of the program is pretty amazing. At Glastonbury, there were about 100 students in the Chinese program up on the second floor and about 25 students in the Russian program on the first floor. Is it only classroom work? They do get out of the classroom. Rita joined us and she and Jimmy told me about their trips to the big city. The Russian students went to Boston and the Chinese students went to Flushing, New York. Flushing? Why Flushing? Flushing has a, a Chinatown. I'm trying to imagine what this is. So like 100 kids get off buses <laughs> in Chinatown yeah. and start doing, start speaking Chinese. All in Chinese. Oh, wonderful. Um, and then lunch, Chinese lunch. Uh-huh. Rita and Jimmy walked me into a classroom that had been converted into what looked like a TV studio. As part of their professional development, our teacher trainees were sort of tasked with working with students to recreate one of the folktales. So the teachers rewrote them using student-friendly language that was appropriate to the, the level of, of those students in the class. And then each student had a part in the film. So they all came in and were so able they to act. They actually made a movie. Wow. Um, so we have, currently, we have a collection of four movies, two in Chinese, two in Russian. So four movies. this is something the teacher may go home and do in their classroom. Absolutely. Because kids love making movies, right? Right. right. So okay. the students are now using their language to have authentic communication and to showcase what they know and are able to do in the target language. Uh-huh, uh-huh. How fun. Very. Steve, it seems staging plays and acting is a common theme we've heard in our other episodes on language camps. So is the performance an important part of language learning? Absolutely. Lots and lots and lots of performances mm-hmm. move the child towards proficiency. Mm. And so then the proficiency is the unrehearsed, unexpected. You try to have the children act it out, mm-hmm. practice their lines, but also the opportunity to, for the children to s- jump out of their comfort level right. because they're acting something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is the teacher trainee room. As we walked down the halls, Rita and Jimmy introduced me to members of the staff. Come on in. Come on out, I should say. <laughs> Janice, this is Steve Levine. Steve Levine. Nice and to Daisy Leon. Hi. Daisy, Daisy is the Janice is the program director for the teacher trainee program uh-huh. and Daisy Leon serves as her right hand person as the instructional lead for the teacher trainee program. Wonderful. Janice Dowd began raving about Daisy, the Chinese teacher. She's done multiple things for us. She was a trainee. Mm-hmm. Um, teacher. She was a teacher. Mm-hmm. 
and now she's a lead teacher, mm -hmm. and now she's a lead teacher also in, in another, another program. program. And where's home for you? Home here, okay. Connecticut. Ah, okay. Yes, I teach at West Hartford. Uh -huh. I, I live in Prospect. And where's the program that you're going to? Oh, the program is going to be in Fargo, North Dakota. Mm -hmm. Well, at least you're going in the summer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. right. All 50 states, including North Dakota. Steve Stortok seems to be as much about teacher training as student training. Yes, and the emphasis on teacher training, I'm quoting here from that 2018 report, is based on the understanding that student achievement is influenced more by effective teachers than by any other factor. That point has come up many times in prior episodes. Accomplished bilinguals often point to a particular teacher who inspired them. A little farther down the hall, we're walking by large Russian language posters lining the walls, and Rita introduces me to one of the Russian teachers. Nina, this is Steve Levine. Nina is our instructional lead for the Russian program. Uh -huh. Are you a native Russian <laughs> um, speaker? Uh, yes. So I've lived in Russia for most of my life, and I've been here for 12 years, I believe, in America. Yes, my husband is bilingual. My children are almost bilingual. Aha. Uh -huh. Yes. So and is, your, uh, is your husband a Russian speaker? Yes. yes so yes, tell yes. me, do you speak Russian to the kids? At some points, at some uh -huh. points, it's very challenging. Nina told me they do speak Russian at home, but a lot of English too, which is just easier for discussing the kids' activities at school. We don't even have social studies in Russia. Mm. We don't have word for that. So Nina moves up here and lives with us for the month. From New Jersey. In, I know Russian is one of the top ten languages in the U.S. I think almost a million Russian speakers in the U.S. There are quite a few, yeah. yes. Yeah. We need more. We're in here to opinion, help with that. Opinion, <laughs> right. It is one of the more recent additions to the StarTalk program, and at first it was slow to build the teacher trainee piece, but now there are more and more Russian programs popping up as part of StarTalk around the country. The support that StarTalk provides their teachers, giving them the chance to observe model teachers, to get coaching and recognition, those are just the kinds of support known to keep teachers motivated and improving rather than leaving the profession for other careers. To address the language teacher shortage, speaking of recognition, Steve, I'm remembering Ying Yen. Yes, we met Ying in Nashville back in 2017 when we were covering the National Language Teachers Conference. Our associate producer, Becky Rankin, introduced us. Becky, what is Teacher of the Year? What do they do and how are they chosen? The Teacher of the Year is a huge honor because it's very competitive, but really important because they serve as an advocate for us. Are they sort of uh, America's language ambassador? They are to different regions and to our government. Hi, this is Ying, and I'm a Chinese teacher at Fremont Union High School District located in Cupertino, California. I'm very honored to be awarded uh, Actful National Teacher of the Year for 2018. Now, what congratulations on that, that award. And I know it's out of thousands and thousands of American language teachers. It's quite an honor. I understand that you have advocacy responsibilities. Describe that. More than 65 million Americans speak a language other than English at home. 
That's a good number, but it's only 20% of our population. So I really feel like every American should be proficient in English and at least one other world language. That's really what I want to tell our society. Learning a language is beautiful. Understanding another culture is beautiful. Ying told me she is a product of Star Talk. She teaches at the Stanford University Star Talk program in California. We entered the high school cafeteria where I was invited to share a lunch with the Chinese students and teachers. I like how you always manage to get a free lunch. <laughs> Absolutely part of the job. I'm invited to sit with Janice Dow, the head of teacher training. I asked her to explain what was happening. These are all the Chinese students who are eating lunch together. You have all the levels, Chinese one, two, three, four, and they're here in the cafeteria talking with each other. Are they speaking Chinese? There's lots of English going on, but Janice explained that they'll soon be speaking Chinese, asking questions of one another, easier questions for the beginners and harder questions for the advanced students. And I noticed TVs mounted overhead. They're typical Chinese videos that young students will watch, and they have either dancing and, and they're singing songs that are typical Chinese songs for young people their age. Are you eating Chinese food? You guessed it. Rita told me they contract with a local Chinese buffet to provide lunches. Let me see if I can get you a knife. But Rita came to the table and saw me struggling with a big piece of broccoli. It's my fault. I don't let them put out the knives and forks because I want the kids to try to use the chopsticks. Janice and Rita introduced me to Victor, one of their advanced students. Victor, Rita tells me you've been in the program for a few years. Yes, this is my sixth year at StarTalk, actually. What grade will you be going into? I'm going to be a senior next year, so actually I'm kind of sad about that because that means I can't come back to StarTalk next year as a student. I want to try to come back as an intern if I have time during the summer next year, though. So tell me about your progression in the, in the language through StarTalk. So, yeah, this is my sixth summer. Now um, I can hold conversations, I mean, fluent enough to talk with the teachers. And the, the, um, we have an intern from Taiwan this year, and I can understand what he was saying even when he was talking really fast. So, How does that feel? Um, it actually feels really nice because I remember when I was younger, I had absolutely, at first I had no idea when, what the teachers were saying unless they deliberately slowed down. Is Victor ethnic Chinese? I thought so, but his parents are Burmese. It turns out Victor is something of a young polyglot. Read, read, write, and speak English, Chinese, and French, and I am conversational in Burmese, but I can't read or write. Whoa. Victor told me he would have lost his Chinese without his Star Talk summers. Fernando, now is when we leave our story for a minute and step back in time. Because 9-11 wasn't the first crisis that prompted America to invest in learning languages. In 1957, the Soviets launched Sputnik, the first man-made satellite. America was locked in cold combat with the Soviets in weapons and rockets. The sound of Sputnik pinging over American skies was terrifying. It seemed like the USSR might be winning the space race. The space race and the related arms race 
took place within the larger Cold War being waged with soft power all over the world. In Africa, Latin America and Asia, the Soviets were trying to win people over to communism. While America and its allies were trying to win those same people over to democracy and free market capitalism. It was in this atmosphere that two American journalists wanted to warn their country how the Soviets were far ahead of the US in another vital way the skill at learning and using world languages. The journalists were William Letterer and Eugene Burdick, and they wrote a book called The Ugly American. It was a novel about bumbling American diplomats in a fictitious Asian country named Sarkhan. Most of the Americans didn't bother to learn Sarkhanese, demanding that everyone speak English. While the Soviets did learn the local language and hence knew far more about what was really going on and were able to communicate more effectively with the local leadership. The book became a bestseller. The New York Times called it a devastated indictment of American policy. One of the book's admirers was a young U.S. senator named John F. Kennedy. JFK was so taken with the book that he bought 100 copies and gave them to his fellow senators. The book helped Kennedy push through the legislation that established the Peace Corps. So in addition to spending heavily on weapons and rockets, America began spending some money training young Americans to speak other languages and then sending them all over the world, first to understand and then to offer help. Soft power. Since its founding in 1961, the Peace Corps has sent a quarter million Americans overseas, most of them gaining a professional level of bilingualism in the process. Back at the cafeteria, I next got to meet some of the youngest students. Nice to meet you. So uh, thank you for sitting down with me and letting me put a microphone in your face. So my name is Bella Weedman. And, and what are you studying here? I'm studying Chinese. With Bella are five of her friends. I'm Kathy. You're Kathy. William. Uh, my name is Lauren. Your name. My name is okay. So so Bella. Is this your first year in the program? It's my sixth year in this program. Your sixth year? I will be going into sixth grade. Okay. So, wow, you've been doing this a long time. Yes, I have been. <laughs> how's your How's your Chinese? <laughs> I, I think it's pretty good. Oh, it's not pretty good. It's better. It's so good. <laughs> better than all of us. class all those years. Bella's friends said she is their star. You can see a picture of Bella and her friends in our episode notes. Things. She still has it. She's still writing things down. I have it. Did you say a few things? Okay. Ni hao wo jiao ya hui. Wo shi sui. Wo shu ju. And what did you just say? I just said, hello, my name is Bella. I am 10 years old. My Chinese zodiac is a pig. She did so well. Yeah, no, no, no. I, no. So, Bella, uh, why do you want to learn Chinese? Well, it started out, I wanted to uh, order Chinese food to take out. <laughs> That's how it started. But have you done that? Yes, and now I am um, hoping to work for the government. You're hoping to work for the government? Okay, I'm going to ask you about that. But first, tell me about ordering Chinese food. How did? 
How, how did that happen? What did you say and how did they react to you? They see a little blonde girl uh, with... <laughs> oh my God! So so with with, with brownish yellow eyes. And then I start speaking again and they're like, okay, this is unusual. Okay, so Bella, you want to work for the government. Tell me more about that. I hope when I work for the government, I can go over to China and help with, I guess, trading offers or deals made. I asked some of Bella's friends why they were learning Chinese. Oh, um, well, I kind of, uh, uh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> well, it's actually, no. I either want to work for the government like her or just just do Chinese, just learn Chinese because it's useful. Yeah, yeah like, it's like a really growing language. It's like the number one. For, like, it's, no, it's number one for yeah. most speakers yeah. and second for most native speakers. Like, a more recreational reasons for wanting to do it. I just wanted to do it so when I go to China, I could speak Chinese. Definitely. I want to do something involves the government. Like I want to be like, I don't want to be in the army, but I want like help people that like need help in China. Refugees. Yeah, like that type of stuff. Like I kind of, I don't, I kind of want to be in, like the army. I want to be like a it's scientist like for the government. I want to be a scientist for the government. Physicist. Physicist. I just want to be. In the army. I want to like work with physics and chemicals and math. Bella and her friends are an impressive group. They are. But after lunch, when I sat down with Rita, she expressed concern. She has seen other federal funding through the Department of Education evaporate over the years. The only money that seems to remain is Department of Defense money. And your opinion about that? It's okay if, as long as we get the money. I'm concerned when that gets cut what happens then. But as long as it's important to the government and world peace, then I think we'll, it's okay. So do you think American taxpayers are getting their money's worth out of Star Talk? Oh, absolutely. What we are able to do within the big picture of our country is very little funding. And the lives that I hope we are impacting is huge. Well, those, uh, those children you had me interview, or I think they were interviewing me, actually. They loved it. Yeah, if, if that's any indication of what you're doing here, man, uh, stand by world. <laughs> Thank you. I will tell you, I got, I got very choked up and goosebumps that they're so happy. Why? It's working, and they're happy. And for people, um, they don't understand what we're doing here. I asked Rita why she does what she does. I believe in it. I have amazing teachers during the school year. I have amazing staff in the summer, and I hope I can work as hard as they do. Oh, you're getting me emotional. <laughs> Thank you. So thanks for uh, sharing your thoughts and your feelings. Thank you for coming. <laughs> America the Bilingual podcast is part of the Lead with Languages campaign of ACTFUL, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages. This episode was written by me, Steve Levine, and edited by Fernando Hernandez, who also does our sound design and mixing. 
Mim Harrison is our editorial and brand director for the America the Bilingual Project. Graphic arts are created by Carlos Plaza Design Studio. Carolyn Dowdy is our social media maven. Associate producer Becky Rankin provided her fine field work, as always. Support for the America the Bilingual Project comes from the Levenger Foundation. Music in this episode, Quasi-Motion, by Kevin McLeod, was used with a Creative Commons attribution license. Our thanks to Epidemic Sound for helping us make beautiful music together. If you like this episode, please sign up on our website, americathebilingual.com, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. For America the Bilingual, this is Steve Levine.